Sanctified here on the Revenant Podcast, Season 1, Episode 7. I want to get to uh, a historical fulfillment of the prophecy concerning the harlot Babylon. Um, or proof from history that Rome is the Babylon of the Apocalypse. Uh, talk about the 70th weeks of Daniel, found in Chapter 9. And, uh, yeah. It's going to be a lot to dissect, a lot of information to take in. So we might have to do this in sections um, because there's a lot that I want to uh, touch bases on. So I'm going to read from the King James Version and uh, let's go into Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, King James, verse 1, I'm going to read verses 1, 2, and 3. So it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 week, 70 years in the desolation the desolations of Jerusalem and I set my face unto the unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fastings and sackcloth and ashes. Verse 4, I'll read that as well. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. All right. Um, What is going on here? Daniel and the Hebrew people were taken into captivity. So this is during their captivity. This is during when they were got carried away um, by Darius, right, um, into Babylon. So this revelation came to Daniel during the time of uh, exile. Very important. Daniel gives you the the time lapse here of in the in the time of Darius and the Medes uh it says that he was in the realm of the Chaldeans there's interesting um information that basically Daniel was um well informed i think it even says in the in the scriptures of daniel that he was well rounded in in all what the chaldeans taught and understood so it was a lot of uh mysticism a lot of um the astrological sense of how 
uh, the sun, moon, and stars, all that information Daniel understood, which it was very fascinating because he was so smart, very knowledgeable, had a lot of wisdom at the same time because he didn't uh, worship the uh, Babylonian gods. He stood away from that. And he worshipped the one and only true Elohim. Uh, he inquired of the Lord in sackcloth and in much fastings and prayer. He wanted to know the times that would be accomplished about the destruction of Jerusalem. Right? And he said that he understood by the books by, I'm guessing, the Torahs, uh, the books. He had that information from the prophets. He gathered and, and collected it all to understood that there was a number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Points back to the prophet Jeremiah. That there would be accomplished 70 years. In the desolations of Jerusalem. All right. So that's a lot to already take in. You know, uh, our brains don't seem to kind of grasp all that information because we'll start to kind of drift away. I know I I've I've studied this plenty of times, and I'm just like, wow, uh, there's so much to dive into. You know, you have so many questions. Uh, the 70th week of Daniel in 9 is the only prophecy that foretold when Messiah would start his ministry and die for our sins. The context of Daniel 9 is that the Jews are at the end of their 70-year captivity. And Daniel is inquiring about what will happen to them. Daniel is not seeking information about end times or the Antichrist just about the destiny of the Jewish nation. Daniel 9, 24 through 27 gives that answer. So let's look at Daniel 9, 24, 27. Now, um, I have a copy of this PDF of the 70th weeks of Daniel decoded. Um, and I'm just going to, I gather a few notes from there and um, it, it, it helps us understand of what this these scriptures are talking about. So let's go to 9, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, and three score, and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in trouble, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince 
that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblations to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay. 70. Shemitha cycles are determined for the Jewish people. It points to 70 seven-year cycles. So 490 years, which started with a command from Persian king Artaxerxes in 457 BC. So the 70th week occurred from 27 through 34 AD, which is the time frame in which we know Messiah carried out his ministry and died for our sins. A year of Jubilee took place in 457 BC when the captive Jews were set free, confirming the strategy year, uh, the, the, sorry, the starting year. Confirming the starting year, Daniel 9.24 defines six things to be fulfilled during the 490 years. The Jews cannot fulfill them. Our Messiah did with his blood atonement that paid for transgressions and reconciled the Jews and us with the Father. Isaiah 53 foretold Messiah being wounded for our transgressions, our iniquities, when he was cut off. Right? In Daniel 9.25-27, through 27, you see how the 70 weeks are structured. It started with seven weeks, one jubilee cycle, during which the Jews were empowered to rebuild Jerusalem. Then 62 weeks of mostly silence from the prophets, and then the pinnacle of the prophecy. The last seven years of the 70th week, Daniel 9.25 points to Messiah, the prince appearing after 69 weeks. And 9.26 points to him dying after the 69 weeks, meaning in the 70th week, his multi-year ministry took place in the 70th week, starting with his Isaiah declaration and anointing at his baptism. Uh, 9.27 points to the timing of his death in the middle of the seven years. It caused the need for temple animal sacrifices to cease, as he is one-time atonement for sin. The father validated it, validated this when he tore the temple curtain in two though the rebellious jewish leaders continued sacrifices unto their judgment in 70 a.d um in 925 26 points to messiah the prince so the he in daniel 9 27 is still messiah who came to ratify the everlasting covenant in the middle of the 70th week the word prince is the same Hebrew word, nahin, na, nahin. It makes no sense for the word prince to point to two different people. Many Jews believed in Messiah, the prince, 3,000 on Pentecost, and more were added daily. Messiah's ecclesia was built on a foundation of Jews. So, it says... Uh, Messiah confirmed the everlasting covenant 9.4. The word for in Daniel 9.27 is added by the translators, making it seem to point to a seven-year covenant. 
It's simply pointing to the last week of the seven years. The word confirmed tells us that it pre-existed. Abraham looked to the spotless lamb to atone for the sins of those who believed by faith. Hebrews 7.2 tells us that he is the surety of the covenant, that he is the bondsman who ratified it with his blood. Hebrews 8.6, say that he is the mediator of the covenant. Hebrews 13.20 says that we are saved through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Shed by Messiah, Romans 15.8 says that he was sent to confirm the promises made unto Abraham. Galatians 3.17 points to him confirming the covenant. Okay. So, that's, that's a lot of info. Um, when we read the, it says here in in 25 okay 24 says 70 weeks are determined upon thy people upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity who does that right there's only one that that can do that and that is the messiah when he was crucified and his blood was shed for our remission of sins, right? Without the shedding of blood, there could not be a remission of sins. In verse 25, right? Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be seventy or seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. So the three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Right there in the middle of that week, he was cut off. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. That happened, right? The Romans came in and destroyed Jerusalem after um, the Messiah was cut off in 69 weeks. Uh and it says that to end, um, where is it? It is, it says, uh, do, 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 do. it says that he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblations to cease. Ever since Messiah was crucified, he, he died for our sins and he rose from the grave. The Jewish uh, the Jewish people didn't have a temple after the destruction of Jerusalem. They were neither to sacrifice or give any offerings. They haven't ever since. That prophecy has already been fulfilled. If you look at this clearly and read it in context and get it from what the Messiah did during the, that, the last... Uh, uh, week, where it says the seven weeks, right? The three score and two weeks, I'm sorry, Messiah would be cut off. He fulfilled it. He fulfilled it. And not only that, the time frame when he fulfilled it, when he was crucified and he was 
beat and then whipped, it was during the um, the Passover uh, preparation day. So he also fulfills in that time frame where it was the 14th day of of Abib. And he was fulfilling that he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's very important because those days, the Holy Feast days, fall on the 14th day of Abib, and that is exactly when our Messiah got crucified. Very interesting. And what's awesome to understand during that same week when he was crucified, the following day was a Sabbath. So he basically rested when he was in the grave. And then on the third day, right, he fulfilled that promise as well. And that prophecy, not only did he fulfill the sacrifice, which was the 14th day of Abib, which was Passover, then he fulfilled the Sabbath. And then the, the third day, it, when he rose from the grave, it was the first fruits, the 16th day. Amazing. When you, when you put everything in, in, in the holy feast days, it makes so much sense. Um, Easter doesn't do that. Uh, Easter obviously changes. Every, every uh, the spring equinox, it always changes. Uh, because the reason it changes is because the calendar that we follow is pagan. It's, it's a Gregorian calendar, which was instituted by the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, Sunday was another day that the Roman Catholic Church instituted for days for people to worship. Catholic, Christian, and Jews. And so when the Jews had the Julian calendar, they were, their Sabbath fell on a Saturday, right? But the crazy thing is that when even the Julian calendar was pagan, both of them, the Julian and the Gregorian, they're all pagan calendars. The reason they instituted these calendars was for us to not understand the holy feast days or for us not to know the times of, of the Sabbaths. Very important. When it says here in verse 27 of Daniel, it says that he shall confirm the covenant. That means that this covenant has always been. This is the covenant that God established with Abraham and Moses. This covenant has always been with the children of God. He just came, the Messiah came to confirm it and to fulfill it, right? Messiah said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Very important, okay? When we read it in context and in the original um, language, uh, I was just reading it this, let's see here, I think I took some notes. This, this morning, and it makes so much sense. And I was talking it over with my wife, and I said, look, look, in uh, Luke twenty two twenty, 20, when, uh, let, me, let me just jump in there. In Luke 22, verse 20, 
it says he's talking about um uh his body being broken and the blood that he's going to spill is will be the 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 wine right um he's he's telling his disciples he's having the passover with them and he is basically instructing them about the um um to to basically understand what this meant and and saying remember this do this in remembrance of me uh in verse 20 of 22 it says likewise the cup also after supper saying this cup is the renewed covenant in my blood which is shed for you renewed when you read it in the king james version it says new covenant right therefore people get mixed up and they start thinking that it is a separate covenant from what god instituted back with abraham and moses on the contrary renewed simply means to reinstate right to resume to reestablish or revive right in our own uh dictionaries that's what renewed means to make like new a freshness a vigor of perfection to perfect it right remember that elohim found fault in the people not in his covenant not in his ordinances not in his commandments he found fault in us therefore god never changes right we know this from scripture it says that he is the same yesterday today and forevermore god does not change god does not change so therefore his ordinances his stature his statures will never change as well his commandments will never change but what happened when messiah came he fulfilled he fulfilled that covenant that sacrifice and oblations that is why the sacrifices and oblations found in the book of daniel the prophecy was complete because the prince messiah said he came to fulfill that's why they ceased that's why no longer the jewish nation the jewish people will ever sacrifice on the temple mount and there and, and check this out there will not be a third temple being built and if it is built, it was it's not in scripture. It's not in scripture. Because listen, when the Messiah came, he came to reestablish that covenant he made with his people, that covenant he made with us. The born again, those that have been grafted in to his kingdom. We have the ordinances. We have the commandments. Remember, Christ said this. If you love me, you will keep my what? Commandments. Those commandments, we still have to keep. Not for our salvation, but to show forth our love. Right? Our gratitude towards our Messiah. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? 
we live in this world that has been totally hijacked by the enemy. Calendars, times, everything has been hijacked. We no longer know the purity of the holy feast day. Jewish people try to keep it in their own form, in their own calendar, but they're still missing it. Because this, the calendar that was in, instituted by the, the papacy has got us all flipped everything upside down. There is a calendar. It's a lunar calendar that God has set forth in place. In the book of Genesis, what's amazing is that that calendar, the enemy could never take away. Right? Let's go to the book of Genesis. <clears throat> and understand that it says here, um, mm -mm -mm, when he made the, the great lights, it says, And Elohim said, Let lights come to be in the expanse of the heavens. This is Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. <clears throat> to separate the day from the night. And let, let them be for signs and appointed times for days and years. Right there. Right there. Hold that note. Write a note. Highlight it. What are these lights for? The lights were set in place for us to determine the appoint, appointed times for days and years. There were to be a sign. Listen. <clears throat> uh, go to Daniel 7, 25. Okay, the uh, verse 13 and 14 was talking about the son of man, actually son of Adam, which is the Messiah. And in verse 25, <clears throat> indicates of the, the, um, the Antichrist system. Uh it is a seat, which is a, is a M, empire. And it says in verse 25, And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints, right, in persecutions of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given unto his hand until a time and times and dividing of time. So, this prophecy right here fits in the description of what the papacy has done. They changed our calendars into, into pagan calendars so that we no longer, the people of God, no longer remember the Sabbaths. And in the book of Jeremiah, it says that, that because of the iniquity of the people it says also that god would make the people forget the sabbaths very interesting um and, and even in the times that we're living in right now where when is the sabbaths you know that that would be for a different episode but when are the sabbaths you know, the Seventh-day Adventists hold on and the Jewish people hold on to being Saturday. But if we go in for 
if we're going according to the biblical calendar, which is a loony solar calendar, it never falls on Saturday. It's not always on Saturdays, right? Um, that's for a different study. But it's never on Saturdays. It's never on Sundays. Because, if, because it says specifically that it is a... Uh, it is a seventh day. And because in our modern calendars, it falls on a Saturday or a Sunday, uh, we, you could never hold on to that being a Sabbath. Because it's not, the Gregorian calendar is based on a, a solar calendar. It's not a lunar calendar. Okay, it's a solar calendar. And if you know anything about the uh, Romans and their uh, uh, deities that they worshipped, they worshipped the, the sun deities, they worshipped Zeus, they worshipped Saturn. Um, also, what's very important is that the papacy, <laughs> the Roman Catholic Church, also worships sun deity. It's sun worship, not S-O-N, but S. Ewan, son, worship. I'm going to read to you a little bit about um, a book I like to read and to get information from. It's from Henry Grattan Guinness, The Key to the Apocalypse, The Seven Interpretations of Divine Prophecy. In um, and, uh, page 29, the historical fulfillment of the prophecy concerning the harlot Babylon or proof from history that Rome is the Babylon of the apocalypse. It reads, the Apostle John 18 centuries ago marveled at what he foresaw concerning the character and career of the woman, drunken with the blood of the saints and martyrs of Jesus. We, on the other hand, living in this late age, marvel at what we see has taken place during the intervening centuries and fulfillment of the prophecy the fact is that the things which john foresaw have come to pass the fulfillment is written on the page of history in letters of blood and flame there has arisen in the sphere of the roman empire and there has reigned in and from the city of rome the seven-hilled city of the caesars just such a power as is predicted in the apocalypse translate the symbolic language of the prophecy into plain non-figurative terms and it becomes a history of the last 12 to 14 centuries one of the most important compendiums relating to the organization and local development of the roman catholic church is that presented in a quarto volume entitled orbis Ter terrarium catholicus Sevi totius ecclesia catholicae et accidentis et orientis. It is a geographical and statistical conspicuous by a Jesuit author, O. Warner S.J., of the whole Catholic Church in the West and East, drawn from recent authoritative sources and illustrates the truth that the so-called Catholic Church is still a vast worldwide society. 
the Church of Rome overshadows the larger part of Christendom today. It boasts of universal universality as including a host of peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. It has a thousand bishops in 30 countries and half a million priests as its head is in age pontiff, claiming the highest authority in the world as visible representative of deity, the vicar of Jesus Christ, the head of the church of Christ on earth, God's vicegerent and infallible teacher of faith and morals, whose doctrines and decrees are irreformable, having power to bind and loose the souls of men in heaven, earth, and hell, canonizing souls in heaven, pardoning sins on earth, and remitting the pains of purgatory in the world beneath, reigning thus in three worlds and wearing in token of the fact a triple crown, a crown grafted on a mitre, a mitre, a meat, meat, mitre, within as the great high priest in the church of God, and a crown without as the highest monarch, crown above, crown in the threefold splendor, encircling and glorifying his mitre with the in incomparable symbol of celestial, terrestrial, and infernal dignity. The triple crown pontiff sits today in the church of God, non simplex homo sed quasi deis, not simply man, but as it were God, so self-described in his own deliberate authoritative utterances, utterances forming part of the infallible decisions and definitions of the long line of popes, who have ruled from Rome, the larger part of Christendom for centuries. That is what is at the hand of the Antichrist beast system, which when you look at all the historical accounts, who's always in the midst of creating... Uh, certain doctrines like the Jesuits, as we know, the papacy has changed the times and the days of all mankind. Fits the description in the book of Daniel chapter 7 verse 25. Very clearly. Today we follow a pagan calendar. Therefore, you will never find when the Sabbaths are of God. But remember what our Messiah says. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments. It's important. When we see the renewed covenant, that means it got reinstated. Because we have a high priest that his reign will never end. And if it never ends then those commandments still stand. Is that understood? When we say, well, yes, you know, thou shalt not have another God beside me. Well, yeah, we know that, right? But then when we get down to uh, all the other commandments, which is, I mean, obviously, you shall not murder. Okay, yeah. Obviously, all Christians know that, that we should not murder. We should not covet, Right? Uh, we should not bear false witness. Yeah. Okay, we should honor our father and our mother. Yeah. But then when we come to the Sabbaths, 
what do they say? Well, you know, you don't necessarily have to, you know, it's not by law. You know, we're saved by grace. Well, yes, we are saved by grace. That is not something we argue about. Yes, we are saved by grace. But you know, as as us being saved and born again, when we read these scriptures and we get more in tune with the Holy Spirit, we get more in tune with God, we start to think, wait a minute, okay, if he says, if I love him, then I will keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. And I'm not saying that, oh, you need to become a, a you know, a, a, a Sabbath Adventist. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is the remnant in the book of Revelations, it says that they have the testimony and the commandments. They kept the testimony of Christ and his commandments. Very important. The remnant. And it's not only, it's not speaking about a, a, a Jewish race. It is speaking about a remnant of people that is of different tongues, different tribes, different nations. In the book of Hebrews, it says that we are grafted in. It says even in the book of Peter that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Who is he talking about to? To the Gentile believers. And it's interesting because now there is a number of, of people that are finding these truths out. And they're like, wow, we need to get back to a reformation. And it's true. We do need to go back to a reformation of Scripture. We need to go back to the principles of Scripture and what exactly Scripture teaches. The sad thing is, is that we have now numerous amounts of, of different interpretations of Scripture that has been very watered down, especially coming from the Latin Vulgate the Latin Vulgate. And if you know anything about the papacy, I believe it's 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 indeed what Luther and Wycliffe and William Tyndale and John Knox spoke about the papacy. And they said, no doubt, according to scripture, they are the Antichrist system. That is the beast, the whore that is drunk with the blood of the saints. The papacy does not deny that they persecuted the Christians for over 600 years. They don't deny that history. Matter of fact, they are proud of it. Proud of it. That's why the spirit of Protestantism does not even exist. There is a few people. There is a remnant that hold on to these truths. 
But the whole broad of Christian Christianity nowadays, what do they do? They join hands with the papacy. They join hands with other different religions. And interfaith. How? How is that biblical Christianity? How? That's not Protestantism. Protestantism is protesting against the Roman Catholic Church. There has been an infiltration upon our churches, an infiltration upon our nations to destroy the nations, to destroy us as a society. And it's very scary. If you understand the times, and if these scriptures means anything to you, I mean, time is ticking. Time is now. Persecution will come upon those that are speaking against the Antichrist system. Stop looking for a futuristic Antichrist, a singular Antichrist. No, the Antichrist is here and has been here. It's been here, folks. Right in front of your face. But oh, no, 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 no. We can't speak against that because then, then it's hate speech. What does every president of the United States declare every time when they get up there and they make these certain laws? They made these anti-defamation league in order for us not to speak out against the Roman Catholic Church. But what exactly and, and why did, did the Puritans and the pilgrims, right, during that time, in the 1400s, they were trying to flee England to come to this land to get away from the papacy. The Church of England that was persecuting them. But over the years, when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, the Jesuits, the Freemasons, that's how they snuck in. You know how? Because when they wrote the Declaration of Independence and the Amendments, was that any religion, anybody practicing any type of religion would be free to practice it here in America. Very interesting. That's why you see the Church of Satan, the Synagogue of Satan, right? You can't speak against them. People have the right to do that. People have the right to worship Satan in America. People have the right to believe whatever they want. Oh, absolutely. You all have a free will. But the reason why the Puritans and the 
pilgrims at that time came here was to practice their own religion, free from oppression from the Church of England. That was the papacy. The papacy snuck in through Jesuit infiltration, through Freemasonry. And it's who gives you all the context of your scriptures. They teach in seminars. They are owned by Freemasons. A lot of the, the, the religions that we have now are based on, on Freemason teachings. The very essence of those teachings are that man can become God. True fact. The pyramid structure in Freemasonry is that you will reach a top level in that pyramid and become a god yourself. The very lie from the God of right? Wow, there's so much to really talk about. Uh, kind of went on a tangent here. But it's it's important, guys. The 70th weeks have been fulfilled by our Messiah, not a futuristic teaching that the Jesuits infiltrated the church and created this futuristic teaching. The dispensations. Man, I get fired up. I went on a, on a tangent there. But maybe it was for a reason. Um, man, I want to get into more, but my time is cut short. I don't want to get too much into it. Uh, but yeah, any responses, comments, whatever, shoot me an email, shoot me a message. Uh, I'll, I'll get as much as information out there for you. But, uh, yeah, man, this was, this was good. This was good. I hope you got something out of it. I mean, it's, 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 there's a lot to dive in. So be blessed. I want to um, give it give it another moment uh, in a different episode where we can actually just uh, talk about this. I'll have my wife uh, redeem on it, and uh, we can just talk about it. Okay, uh, talk through scripture and see what uh, you know people's insights. So be blessed. Stay focused on the Lord. Prayed up. Get read up and uh, love you, fam. Peace.